that just uh, as uh, you've already been ministering, Lord, that uh, you would use Mike, Lord, just to to define, give words to, uh, and describe even, Lord, uh, some of what you are doing in our midst at this moment. I thank you for that. We receive him as that, Lord. So bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. Um, it's really wonderful to be with you this morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm married, um, and I have a beautiful wife. Um, I have one wife who have been married for almost 24 years, now in January. Uh, just a, a real delight to be with you this morning, just to worship together, just to um, ultimately just to look at Jesus together, just to get to have our faith built up in the Lord, and um, it's really cool to be with you. I, maybe just, just be, uh, before I start, just to give you a little bit of info about myself, and then we'll dive into what I want to do. Um, yeah, and so I've, we've got three children. And our oldest is now 21, and we've got an 18-year-old who's going to Bloemfontein next year, of all places, next year. So she's going to study at University of the Free States. I don't know if any of you come from the Free States, um, or the States, as they call it. Um, and uh, she's off there next year, and we've got a son who's 14. And so, yeah, our, our lives are very busy and full, and we're very blessed. It's really good to see a lot of old friends. I know, I know a bunch of you just from Wellington. I was... Um, as Ruan mentioned, involved in helping to lead the, the Wellington congregation. Um, and we handed that over recently, about a month ago. And so my job right now is to travel around just teaching and helping just to strengthen the local churches in Josh Jen and 412. And um, it's a real delight. Um, I almost try to say, like, what is my job description? I suppose in some ways I'm a bit like a health inspector. Uh, coming in to kind of check on the health of churches and really strengthening the churches where they, where, where they need help and, and come alongside the lead elders. So we've had the privilege the last month. We've been kicked out the nest, and we've just tried to travel a bit. So we've been to uh, Edgemead AM. We've been to Sunningdale, ministering there. We've been to Weinberg. We've been to Brackenfell. And um, it's just so cool to be part of a, a church, Josh Jen. And I don't know, you know, I, I, a lot of faces here I don't know. Um, but if you're part of a church that really is just a, 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 a church that's, you know, we're not, we, we're, we often said we're like a crazy Italian family. We, we all these different parts of Josh Jen um, as part of the body of Christ. That is like your uncles and aunts and your, your cousins and Uncle Luigi and cousin, you know, uh, Mario. And, you know, it's like you go and visit all these different congregations in different places. And they're different expressions of who God has called us to be. And, and where we are as a church. And so it's really cool to have traveled, and it's really wonderful to be with you this morning. The last time we were here was two years ago, and it was the, um, the actually the opening. When we planted Paul two years ago, we were here in the other building, and it's really good uh, just to be with you this morning. Um, what I want to do is I want us to actually look at a psalm, and I want to unpack a psalm with you this morning. And I really just want to encourage you in, in your faith in the Lord and... Um, I want us to look at Psalm 121, and especially as we are in a time that is very, you know, there are difficult times we're living in, in many ways, and um, yeah, yeah, and you know, and how do we, and I, what I want to do today is I want to look at how do we get to know God better through Psalm 121? How do we get to see who God is? Because at the end of the day, it's important that we get to see who God is 
and what he is like. Because at the end of the day, the foundation that we have in our lives needs to be built upon God and not on ourselves. And you know, and I love the Psalms. I think um, one of the, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but you were reading from the Psalms earlier. And the Psalms, what we do is, I love the Psalms. I know for many of us, if we've got our Bibles and we, we look at our Bibles together, is that I know for many Christians, it's like we kind of avoid lots of the Old Testament because we struggle to understand it. I know it's not easy, easily that we'll go and read, you know, Haggai or Haggai maybe, but we won't go and read the minor prophets, the other minor prophets, or won't go read, let's just go dive into Leviticus this morning. You know, we won't do that, right? But what we will often do is we'll often dig into the Psalms. And I know for me as a young Christian, my Bible, it was all dirty pages under the New Testament. And then Psalms and Proverbs, that little section, you could see I'd been there. I'd, I'd been down that path because it was a path that when I read the Psalms, it's like I could identify with these men who wrote the Psalms. I could identify with their longings and their passions and their honesty. And what I love about the Psalms is that they're honest. You know, they're honest to God. And I think sometimes we are in a culture where, we're, where we've been taught to be polite to the Lord. Well, we must pray polite prayers. We must speak to God in a polite way rather than actually, if you read the Psalms, they're full of anger often. They're full of angst. They're full of lament. I think two-thirds of the Psalms are what we call lament, and a lament is like a complaint to the Lord. There's a lot of that. Where are you, God, if you read the Psalms? You know, and it's like, and then finally, it's like the psalmist pours his heart out to God, and he kind of finds his way eventually, and he holds on, but God, I know that you are there. I know that you are faithful. I know that, you know, oh, my soul, put your hope in the Lord. Um, his steadfast love, and it carries on like that in the Psalms as, as we look um, at it. And um, what I really want to do this morning with you is us to have a look at the Psalm, Psalm, as I mentioned, Psalm 121. And I want to start by us reading it together, and then I want to unpack it. And now, if you look in your Bible, if you've got your Bible with, with you, or in your phone, or on the back, in, in the top of my physical Bible, under Psalm 121, before we read verse 1, what it says here, it says, a song of a sense. What does that mean? And so this psalm forms part of one of 15 songs in, in, this, in the psalm hymn book, in a sense, that is called the Song of a Sense, and it's from Psalm 120. And it runs to Psalm 134. And these songs were called the songs of going up. And they formed a very special part of the Psalms. And you see, they're called the songs of going up because what happened is that the people of God, when they would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they would go three times a year. They would travel up to Jerusalem for the big festivals or the big feasts. They travel up for Passover, at Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And what they would do is they would travel on, as pilgrims, in a sense, traveling all the way from the different parts of Israel, from the north, down from the south, from the east and the west. And they would travel up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is built and surrounded by mountains. And it's one of the highest places in Israel. Haven't been there? I know some of you have. And you travel up to Jerusalem. And so what they would do is they would sing these psalms as they would go up to the festivals. And specifically, they would sing these 15 psalms, the songs of going up. 
And they would sing it as almost their anticipation to God that, Lord, we are looking to you as we go up to the festivals with the rest of the people. And, um, and so it's a metaphor in some ways for us because it's a metaphor of them traveling to meet with the Lord in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem for them was the center of the presence of God. Jerusalem was a place where the temple was. It was where they would meet with God. But for us, it's actually a metaphor for our lives as you read Psalm 121, because as they journeyed up to Jerusalem, we get to journey to heaven, actually. We pilgrims, you and I. And the Bible uses language like in the New Testament in a lot of places. Like, for example, it says that we are exiles and aliens, and we are strangers. And it says like that our citizenship is actually not here on the earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 4, or 3. And so we are journeying. You and I are journeying. And how do we learn how to journey in a way on discipleship to actually, and what is our destination? And, uh, and I, I want to share this with you because there's a concern, especially in the light of, we're in a lot of shaking at the moment. Again, there's talk of another lockdown of, you know, already the, they, they've shut down um, travel plans to South Africa, the UK, you know, there's all these countries now in light of a new variant possibly and what this looks like. And I know for a lot of us, at least, well, I know for me, I should say, there's been fear and uncertainty and like, oh, Lord, not again. What does this look like? And, and I think during times of uncertainty, we need to ask the question, where is our security? Where is our hope found? And while we, we have to navigate these things, friends, right? And as Christians on a journey, on pilgrimage with Jesus, we have to know how to answer these questions in Him. And, um, and so what Psalm 121 does as you read it, it helps to answer these questions. It helps us to put our faith and our confidence in a place that is unshakable, where this world gets shaken. And so let's have a look together at Psalm 121. Amen? Everyone with me so far this morning? Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, let's read it together. And there's eight little verses, and let's read it. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand, and the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so let's start with verse 1, and I want to pick out a few things for us this morning as we dive in. So let's look at verse 1. It says, he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Right, we live in the beautiful valley of Paul or Wellington. Um, I was saying to someone earlier, Wellington is like the poorer cousin of Paul, and Paul is the poorer cousin of Stellenbosch. <laughs> so don't think you've arrived, all right? <laughs> There's always somewhere better. Um, anyway, so in Wellington, it's like where do you come? And we have a lot of people, students. We I run. Uh, uh, I'm the dean of TMT. Uh, many of you know TMT. It's a discipleship program. Many of you, have, some of you have come out of TMT, and what I love about living in Wellington 
is that when the students come from around the country, especially from areas that are the, the flatlands, like Bloemfontein, okay? It's like you've got a little copy and it's five minutes and you, you, you're the top of the highest point in, in, in Bloom. And when you come from those places and you see the magnificence of these mountains around us, and you look at the majesty of this incredible place we live in, it's like we see the marvel. We marvel at the wonder of God. We marvel at creation. But the thing is, is that this psalm is not speaking about looking up to the hills so we can see God. He's actually saying, our help does not come from the hills. That's what it's actually saying. And what happened was when these um, Jews went on pilgrimage, and when they were traveling up to Jerusalem, is they would look to the hills, and on the hills all the way through Israel would be these shrines and these altars. But these were shrines and altars, and there would be these Asherah poles, they were not given over to the worship of God. They were pagan kind of sites all dotted all over Israel. And the time apparently that when this was written, there was a lot of Baal worship and pagan worship even happening in Israel. And as they would travel along, as you looked up to the hills, so to speak, you would see that, that under these groves, these, these, these various places of shade, there were these pagan priests that would, would set up stall and would actually sell things to travelers. They would sell potions. They would sell these magic uh, items for good luck to help you on the road. Uh, they would sell these magic potions that if you were scared of robbers, you could go up to one of the pagan priests and they would give you some kind of potion or protection from robbery on the road. And they promised all, you know, they were trinkets and they would promise all these kinds of, um, you know, ways to... Um, to kind of protect you on the road. Not only that, but there were prostitutes. There were these Baal prostitutes, these cult prostitutes, where you could go up and kind of go and, and, and have like sexual pleasure on the side of the road. All these things that were taking place. And, um, and, what, and even it says here, it's quite interesting in verse 21, uh, uh, chapter 21, sorry, Psalm 21. <laughs> it says here that the Lord is your shade and the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. And these travelers, many of the, not so much the Jews, but many of the people in the area were very superstitious by nature. And they believed that not so much the sun, but because obviously they wanted to avoid the sun by day because it was hot. And so they would travel when it was cooler in the morning or in the evening. But one thing that many people in that time were afraid of is they were afraid of the moon. Because um, in kind of ancient culture, they believed that if you had too much exposure to the moon, you actually went crazy. And so, you know, we, with the old word for moon, I think it's the, the, the Latin word is luna. And that's where we get our word lunatic. Because it literally means someone that's had too, too much exposure to the different kind of, to the moon. And that's what they believed, that they were superstitious by nature. And so what you would do is if you traveled and you knew that you had to travel by night because it was less, you know, it, the sun wouldn't hit you, but then you had the moon. So you would go to a pagan priest and he would give you some spell or some trinket when that would protect you from the moon by night. And obviously the psalm says, no, 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 no. Actually, the Lord is your shade. He will protect you. And so as we go along... We understand, therefore, a scripture like Jeremiah 3, verse 23. I don't have it up on the board. Where Jeremiah is actually, and this is just giving you a bit of background to help you understand the psalm. Where in Jeremiah 3, he's, he's, as, he, as he's speaking and prophesying, 
He says this in Jeremiah 3.23. He says, Our worship of idols on the hills and our religious orgies on the mountains are a delusion. And so he's referring to the hills and the mountains. He says, those things are evil and they're wrong. Those idols, you can't put your trust in them. He says, only in the Lord our God will Israel ever find salvation, right? And so this is the culture they lived in where they were putting their hope into things as they were journeying along up to, well, for the Jews, that was the temptation. And friends, I think for us today, the question is, what do we put our hope in? And we can say, no, we, I put my hope in God. But in reality, often when we know that there are fears and there are things around us, what do we run to? What do we run to? And uh, in verse 2, in, verse, in, in, in Psalm 121, it says this. So he says, my, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And so he states here that obviously his help is not from those places. His help comes from God. And the interesting here is what he does is he uses the name the Lord. In other words, he's using God's personal name. In Hebrew, it was Yahweh. And what he's saying, he's saying, I'm, I'm calling on the name of Yahweh. He's not some impersonal deity. And so what the Jews would do is when they wrote in Hebrew, they would often, because the name Yahweh was so sacred to them, it was so holy to them, that they wouldn't actually write the name Yahweh. They would actually replace it with um, the, the Hebrew form of Lord. It was like a generic thing. But what our English Bibles do is when our English translators translate from the Hebrew into the English, obviously they know it's the Yahweh, and so they'll write there, or Lord, the, the translation, they'll write in capital letters, L-O-R-D, to know that that's speaking about Yahweh. And so what he's saying here, the point of what I'm saying is that God is using, he's using God's personal name, because Yahweh was only the name given to the God of Israel. And what he's saying here, he's saying that I'm trusting in my personal God, that he's my personal companion on the road, that he's not some kind of distant God, but this God is the same God who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush as Yahweh. Is that I am that I am, or that I am who I am. And I love this about God, friends, is that, you know, what makes us, in a sense, the promise that's given to you and I is this promise that we serve a God that knows our every step. Um, we serve a God who's personal to us. He's not distant. He's not some headmaster in the sky, but he's the God who's very, very near. And, um, and I know, you know, I grew up in a very religious home where uh, my idea of God was this kind of distant deity who wasn't really interested in, in, the, in the nitty gritty of my life. And I remember I struggled for many years. I really did. I struggled with this concept that God is interested. I love what was, sorry, I'm using your, your example again, when you're kind of sharing your complaint to the Lord of like, but God, don't, don't forget this. And don't forget that thing and this thing and that little detail. And friends, that's what God is like. Is, is there's nothing that's too small that we can't bring to him and he doesn't hear us. There's nothing that, that escapes his attention, that if you are carrying something, that you know, Lord, there's this thing, but ugh, it's so small, I'm not going to bother you with it. 
No. God is a personal God. And he says, but I'm interested in that thing. If you bring that thing to me, because it might be that thing that's tripping you up from truly trusting in me and holding firm to me and seeing me clearly. And so I remember as a youngster, it's like I struggled with that. I would always pray the big prayers, you know. Like, God, you're interested in the salvation of the nations. <laughs> or you, you're interested in, you know, missionaries and those people, but like little old me. And I had to learn, as I read his word, as I got to know the personal character of God, that God is so personal that he says that I'm going to send my son. And you know what's amazing with the very name Jesus? The name Jesus means Yahweh saves. That Yahweh took his very personal nature and he reflected it in his son. And that his son comes to us today and he takes on, like Ruan said earlier, our very sin, our brokenness. And he saves us and brings us into life. And so this help from us is in the Lord. And, and, and so we see this. But one of the ways that he does in the psalm that we've got to look at very carefully is that we know that he emphasizes a certain word, a certain phrase that he mentions again and again and again. And I don't know if you noticed this when, we, when I read to you Psalm 121. What is the word that gets repeated? In the psalm, repeatedly. Any of you see the word? Well, let's have a look. Let's read from verse 3. It's the word keep, or keeper, or keeps. You got it, Emma, well done. Yes, <laughs> gold star for you. Let's read it from verse 3. It says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. And then it says, the Lord is your keeper. And then he carries on. He'll keep you. He'll keep your life. He'll keep your going out and your coming in. And that word keep, what it does, it means that God is your protector. That's actually what it means. That God will, literally it means he's going to watch over you. That he's watching you. But not just watching you from a distance. He's watching over you as you put your trust in him. In other words, that he's the God who will guard you. He will look after you. He will pro he's, he's, he's going he's to surround you with himself. That's what it's speaking about here. And it's this idea that, that the Lord will keep us, that you don't need to worry about the fears out there because God will be your protector and your provider and the one who protects you, who keeps you safe. Now, this sounds all wonderful. It's like, yes, Lord, you know, we claim this. It's a bit like Psalm 91. We can sometimes claim it, you know, we have our sticker at the back, maybe a Psalm 121 sticker, like, this is true. The problem is this, or the challenge is this, because I know some of you right now, even when I said this phrase, but the Lord is our safety and our security. And some of us are asked legitimate questions like, but what about those that are, that are, that are believers, and even some of us, where bad things are happening to believers? Is God's word true then? Because it seems like there are these things taking place. You know, you could, there's crime in our nation. I've got a, uh, we know someone who's a, who loves the Lord Jesus with all of her heart, where someone broke into her house. Well, I don't know, but she's a friend of a friend who was raped as a, as a mom with two small kids. Um, with COVID, we've got friends, um, one of our good friends, he's a leader in Wellington AM, Frank Kufissa, many of you know him. 
godly man, loved the Lord. His son died of an accident, in an accident, a freak accident, two years ago, tragically. And last year during COVID, Franku picked up COVID and he passed away. And he, he's left his wife and his daughter. And we think, Lord, why? Surely your word is true where it says, but you will keep me and you will guard me. Why do these things happen? And, I, you know, I say that I worship you. But, Lord, where are you? I know um, I've got a good friend. Well, he was in eldership with us in Edgemead, a lovely man. His name was Sean, Sean Adriansa. And this man was a man of faith, I can tell you that. He, he believed God and trusted God. And he had seen the Lord do much work in his life over the years. And um, about two and a half years ago, he picked up, uh, he had a form of cancer, where slowly the cancer started eating away um, in his body, where he just, eventually he was, you know, the church rallied around, prayed for him, we're trusting for healing, and the cancer was just eating away at his body. Um, eventually he stopped eating, he stopped drinking, and uh, as kind of, he went into hospice, and he just kind of faded, and he, and he died. And here was this man, he was an, an elder in one of our congregations, man of faith. In fact, he was due to preach two weeks before he went into hospital. And his message, because I actually preached at his funeral, his message was on faith. His message was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three men that, that God protected them from the fire. Even as they defied the king, God looked after them. And so we wrestle with these things. Many of you have got lost loved ones, or you've been through personal tragedy. How then do we reconcile a scripture like this, God, God's word, with our faith in God so that we can navigate well? And it's important that we answer these questions, friends. If we, we can't just say, oh, well, and we keep God's word separate from the reality of life. Because what happens is, our faith then is not a robust faith. It's not a resilient faith. And interesting with this, I do want to say this about the Psalms, and this is to answer this question. And here's the question. Is the psalmist saying here, when, when he writes this, is he saying that a believer will never go through difficulty or trial, like some of the ones I've mentioned? Is he promising us the kind of divine protection that we can just claim and then those that walk in tragedy or something bad happens to them, is it because they don't have enough faith? Is that what he's saying here? And I want to say no, clearly that's not. In fact, if you read the Psalms, one of the things that you find amazingly is that the psalmists often got it, the psalmists, I should say, were often in trouble. There were often bad things happening to them. Even in the midst, if you just read it, you read, for example, you go back one psalm, Psalm 120. What does it say? Deliver me, O God! <laughs> That's Psalm 120. And the guy is in trouble, and he's crying out and praying to the Lord. And that's the first song of ascent, of worship song going to God. The thing is this, friends, is that nowhere in Scripture does God ever promise to take us out of trouble. In fact, as we read the New Testament, it seems to almost intensify that for us that are in a, um, a relationship with the Lord Jesus, he says like this, John 6 verse 33, um, Jesus says this to the disciples, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
Then he says, but in the world, you will have tribulation. In other words, he's saying that, that in me, there's an inner keeping, there's an inner peace. But if you're in the world, which we all are, there will be tribulation, there will be trouble, there will be buffeting, there will be storms that come. We think of the parable where Jesus speaks about the two men, and it says that the one built his house on the rock. Praise God for that man. And then the other man built his house on the sand, and we go, poor man, foolish man, how could he do such a thing? But we forget that where Jesus says, but when the storms came, you know, the man who built his house on the sand, that, that house was, 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 was washed away. But we don't, we don't realize that the storm came to the man whose house was built on the rock as well. He also had the exact same storm. He had the same trials. He had the tribulations. He had the things that he had to face like the unbeliever had to face. The difference was this, is that he had a faith rooted on, on the words of Jesus Christ, rooted on the Lord. Oh, we, we see other scriptures. I know John 5, if you read it, there's this wonderful promise where Jesus says, if they hate me, he says, they've hated me. How much more won't they hate you if you follow Jesus? Like, oh God, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know? And Jesus says, he says, I say these things to you, he says further in Matthew 24, so that you would not fall away. Trouble's coming. Difficulty's coming for all believers at all times. Or James 1, I'll give you another one where James says, but rejoice, not if you face trials of many kinds. James 1 says, rejoice when you face trials of many kinds. And so we have all these scriptures that speak about this. So how do we reconcile this with Psalm 121, with God's keeping and God's guarding and God, that if God's nature, if the nature of our Father in heaven is that He does guard us and keep us and, and He's our security, how do we reconcile this with these types of scriptures? And I want to say this, the way we do so, friends, is by realizing that our pilgrimage, our destination, God promises to keep us safe to heaven. That is our destination. That has always been the destination. Jerusalem has always been a picture of salvation, of, of this end goal that you and I will be with the Lord, heaven, where God is. And so in one sense, when God promises to keep you, He promises basically that He will take every circumstance, and if He allows circumstance and trouble to come into your life, and even disappointment, it means He's allowing it to shape you for that day, for the heavenly Jerusalem. And, and it's having an eternal mindset that God guards us for that day, in a sense. And it's not saying that God won't look after us now. God does. But sometimes when, he, when, it, when it works out differently, it's, it's because God has a bigger picture in mind. we thinking, okay, I'm thinking the next 10 years. You know, God, you, I've lost my job. Where are you, Lord? We're thinking now. But God is thinking eternal. God is thinking your soul. You know, that's why he says, it's better that you, you don't gain the world. If you're going to gain the world and lose your soul, rather don't gain the world. And there, there's a shaking going on, friends, where, where some of you, maybe even through COVID, have lost jobs and you've lost security and you've lost finances. And you think, but where are you, God? And we think of the tourism industry that now, if things are shutting down, we've got a good friend in the tourism industry in our Wellington congregation. There's a good chance that a whole bunch of people are going to lose their jobs just as a result of 
these flights sh shutting down. A whole bunch of people losing employment. But if we understand that actually maybe the Lord is letting them, shaking them so that they could turn to Him. Because at the end of the day, what counts is that, that our souls are brought into a place of refining so that we can come and see the Lord and put our hope in the one. That's the destination. And so I want us to read a scripture, and I'm going to unpack this just a little bit more, just for a few more minutes. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5. Everyone with me? Everyone understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5. And here, I want you to read Psalm 121 in light of the scripture here in 1 Peter 1. Because as we see what God is like, the nature of God. 1 Peter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. I want us to stop there. You know, if you read the whole of 1 Peter, the one thing you find with 1 Peter and 2 Peter, it's written to Christians in trouble. These guys, and then he carries on later in 1 Peter, I think 1 Peter 4, it says, don't be surprised when you face these fiery trials. Don't be surprised as if these things are happening to you. He says they're going to happen to you. And so what he's doing is he's bringing them back to the wonder of their, the core of their life, which is you've been born again, and you've got the salvation, which is why you're here on the earth. To be born again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then he says in verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded. See that word guarded? Like we saw Psalm 121? You being guarded. God's power is keeping you for that day. Because at the end of the day, as you, it says, interestingly enough, it says to be guarded through faith. So it's not fatalism. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. You know, God's just going to keep me to that day. I've said this in his prayer. Praise God. And now I can just carry on, live like I want. No, 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 no. You are being guarded and kept by the power of God in this world. Your destination is heaven. Obviously, how we live here counts. It matters. But it's through your faith. In other words, if you abide in the Lord, if you don't abide in Jesus, then there is no security for you. There's nothing. And so who are those who go to heaven? It's those who are believers. It's those who are followers. If you said, but I believed once, you know, and I want to say this. Sorry, I'm being naughty now. But, but I've been in pastoral ministry for many, many years. I've led a number of churches. And, you know, and often there's that individual who says, you know, my little, my little boy Johnny, when he was 12, he said the sinner's prayer, you know, praise God. But since then, for the last 30 years, Johnny has been raising hell. He's been living like an unbeliever. He's been ignoring God, hating God, never putting his foot in church. But at 12, you know, his mom said, praise God, he said the sinner's prayer when he was 12. Friends, that kind of salvation is not in the Bible. The kind of salvation we find is one that is by faith. In other words, we start with faith, we continue with faith, and one day we end with faith. We trust God. It doesn't mean we're perfect. Sometimes we'll slide back. We take two steps forward. You know, I often say to my students, our Christian growth is like this. If you've got a, a chart, you know, you've got those growth charts of a business doing well or whatever. You've got this growth chart. 
I want to say my Christian walk has been like this. This is the beginning of my walk. Up, up. <laughs> right? And that's the reality. That's why we need grace. We thank God for His kindness and His mercy. And we thank God that He's put us part of a family that when we stray off course and we're straying off the road as pilgrims and we're saying, you know, I want to go to the hills, I want to go to the hills. You know, thank God that you've got brothers and sisters around you that will slap you on the side of the head. Get back on the road. You know, oh, yes, 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 yes. Start to put your trust in Jesus. And we have mutual accountability and we encourage one another in our faith because we know that we can drift and we can slide. But God has kept us and, and I'm in a community of faith and He guards our faith. And so I, I want to land with this saying that, friends, that with the Psalm 121, what it does, it shows us that, that firstly, that we can trust in the nature of God, that God is our keeper. But God's kind of keeping is that God's most interested in shaping you and refining you so that you will be a pilgrim that journeys well, that you can stand before him on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. In a sense, I want to say this, this life, according to scripture, and I want to use the analogy of a, of a rugby game, this life is the warm-up. When you die, the game starts, Okay. Or let's use the analogy of school. This life is like grade 1 to grade 12. When you die, you graduate. Then real life starts. Or let's use another example. Or this life, let's use the analogy of a book. This life is like the preface or the introduction. When you start chapter 1, that is when the next life starts. And when we understand that God has created us for an eternity with Him, and that we're living in the light of eternity, and this is the hope of these early Christians, that they were hoping for the return of Jesus, this blessed hope, because they realized that they could not put their hope in the things of this world. Their security must, was in God, who would keep them and hold them for the heavenly Jerusalem. He would hold them. He would keep them. He would remain them. So even my friend Sean, you know, I mentioned that Sean died of cancer. And the question is this, where was his faith? Did he, was he a man of faith? Yes, because he held to God even on his deathbed. And he believed that God would raise him on that day. Just like the saints in Hebrews 11, that it speaks about how they trusted God. Some of them received the promises, it says in Hebrews 11, but some of them died in faith not having received the promises, but they were commended as being men and women of faith. They died in faith, and they will receive the reward. They will receive this, this thing. And so as I'm sharing this with you tonight, just as I was praying for you, I felt like, like for, 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 for some of you maybe here this morning, that, that, that there's a warning here. And the warning is this, that, and I know it's a warning that my wife and I feel, that there's, this, there's, a, there's a kind of ease in this life, on this journey, in this pilgrimage, where for many of us, not all of us, I know, life is lacquer. Life is awesome. And we're enjoying this life so much that we forget that this life is preparation for the next. And what happens is like we allow our souls to get dulled by the things of this world. And we're putting our hope almost in the things of this world. But if we look at Scripture carefully, 
It says that our citizenship is in heaven. And God keeps us for the next. It doesn't mean that your job is not important and your kids are not important. They are. This life is important because the way we are faithful with these things now prepares us for the next, right? But ultimately, I'm concerned that maybe for some of you, that it's, it's like you've put your hope and you've pinned your hope on things right here, but to the extent that you've lost something of the wonder of who God is and you've lost the wonder of your salvation and you, maybe you rejoice at the physical things you've received, but you've lost the rejoicing of the hope of your salvation. And what marks us out as the people of God is the fact that we're a people who are born again. We are people who are born for another place, another kingdom. And even if, for example, that you've got kids that you're raising up, you are preparing them for that kingdom. It's not about you. It's not about your life. In a sense, it's, life is not you-centered. It's about God. And, and in closing, what the psalmist does so well, the psalmist is crazy about God. Everything is not about them. It's not me-centered. It's God-centered. And it's about living in an obsession, this holy obsession, this pursuit of the living God. In spite of trouble and difficulty, they put their hope in the God that keeps and the God that saves. Even in this world, God keeps us. But if he doesn't keep us, if God doesn't give you what you feel you deserve or what you've prayed for, will you still worship him? Will you still trust him? Will you be like my friend Sean that we were praying for his healing and we know God does heal today. We know that God does bring financial breakthrough, that God does put us in spacious places on the earth. But if you don't receive some of that, friends, if maybe God doesn't keep you in the way that you would expect, would you still worship him? Would you say, Lord, you are still my God, even if I don't get what I feel I deserve? Even if you're pilgrimaging and you're journeying on your journey, oh God, we want to be worshipers of God, even if you, things don't work out the way we expect. But Lord, you know, and you will keep me till that day as I remain in you. And so, if anything, this is just to lift up our eyes during the season, you know. End of the year, right, we're tired. I know it's like we've had a long year. I want, I want you to lift up your eyes. Would you lift it up? Would you see him on the throne? Would you see that God is at work right now? And so let's pray together this morning. And I want to pray for you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. Come, Lord God. I just want to pray for a first group of people here. And I don't mind if you look at me for this or, you know. But if you are here this morning, and if you are honest with yourself, you know that you're not right with the Lord. And maybe you're here and you, if you're honest, like you, you've really been living for yourself. And if you're honest, your heart has not been to put God first. Um, maybe you've followed Him once and you've actually drifted far from God and and you're like a prodigal and you're wanting to come home. You're like a prodigal son or prodigal daughter and you want to come home to the Father. I've got good news for you. That the Father loves you at your worst. And He doesn't reject you, but He invites you into a relationship with Him through Jesus. And the promise is this to you, friends. That if, if you're here and, you're, and, you, and if you're honest, you're walking your own path, you're not following God. But you want to turn away. The Bible says you have to turn away from living for yourself. You've got to turn away from your old life. And you've got to turn towards Jesus 
And you've got to put your faith in Him. In other words, you've got to surrender your life to Him. And if you feel God is, in a sense, drawing you, knocking at you, He's, he's calling you, and you know that, that if you, you're not sure where you will be where you die, today is the day that you can respond to Him. And the Father doesn't want you to make yourself right before you come to Him. He says, come at your worst, because I'm going to cover you. I'm going to come, and I'm going to make you new. I'm going to take out your heart of stone, and I'm going to come and give you a soft heart. That's the promise. Is there anyone like that today that you want, you need prayer for that at the most basic level? Is there anyone? Just raise your hand where you are. Is there anyone that wants to? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Can I just ask you to keep your hand up? And it might be, you know, wherever you are, recommitted. I'm going to ask just some folk to gather around those two individuals, Fritz, and then um, yeah, the gentleman at the back as well, just to gather around. And we're just going to pray for them and just where they are in this place. So let's just, let's just pray for these, these two guys. Father, we want to thank you for these two men that have responded. And Lord, it might be that already they've already made some form of commitment to you. Or not, Lord. But I want to pray this morning that even as they say, but Jesus, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you this morning. I want you to say that in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I come as I am. And I want to turn away from my life, my old life. And I'm going to turn towards Jesus with all of my heart. If you say that, you say that in your heart. Say, Jesus, I'm doing this. I'm throwing myself onto the Father. I'm throwing myself onto His kindness that He must save me. And Lord, for those right now, would you come and do a work within them by your Spirit, Lord, that you take out hardness and, 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 and a stony heart and you bring a soft heart. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Would you do so, Lord? Would you do so, Lord? Thank you for these two men that have responded, for their, their courage, Lord. And even as they respond before men, Lord, thank you even in heaven that you respond. In Jesus' name, would you wash and cleanse. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Maybe just off the guys can carry on praying for them just now as well. You can stay there if you want. But then I want to pray for the rest of us. And... Um, and even respond in worship now, now to him. But can we all stand? Let's all stand together. Come, Lord. What I want us to do is just, just where we are is, um, let's just spend a moment and just wait on the Lord. I, I do believe he wants to come and minister to us. I believe He wants to come and strengthen your faith this morning. He wants to come this morning and He wants you to put your eyes on the things above. That He wants to come this morning and refresh you and encourage you. I feel like this morning He wants to remind you what kind of God that He is. That He is a God that is bigger than any trouble. That this God that you serve is more powerful than you can imagine that He is more mighty than you could ever fathom or think, that this God that we serve, He is not affected by the magic of this world and by 
the demonic powers of this world, that our God sits over those things, that our God has authority, that He can answer prayers, that He can break in, that He can break into your body, He can break into your circumstance, He can, he can provide for you in whatever way He does, but He's looking for us to put our faith in Him, not in a, not in a prayer, but in Him. No matter what, that even if he doesn't, even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, but even if, if we die, we are not going to serve you, O king. We're going to worship God. So let's just, let's just commit ourselves afresh to the Lord this morning. Even where you are, just, just commit yourself to him. Throw yourself to him. Lord, we are here this morning. We know that the things of this world, they're a matter of life and death. Eternity at stake. We want to look to you this morning, Lord. We worship you. We worship you this morning, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we worship you. God, we glorify you. We honor you this morning, Jesus. Come, Lord, this morning. Come, Lord, we worship you. Just where you are, just worship him. Just worship him. Just tell him how... how how much you trust Him. Tell Him who He is this morning. Remind Him who He is. Just, just worship Him. Worship Him. Father, we open up our hearts to You. Maybe some that have allowed their hearts to become a little bit closed in some way. That this morning, that there would be an opening. Uh, the oil of Your Spirit that would lubricate. Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Yes, come, Lord God. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. I don't want any spectators this morning. I don't want anyone here that you're kind of just looking in. If you're here, I want you to press in right now. I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to try and look at anyone around you. I don't want you to try and um, just think you can sit back and spectate. But press in for yourself. Mean business with God. Let Him, let him strengthen you for the journey ahead. You have got a journey ahead of you in the Lord. Father, come and refresh us and strengthen us for the journey ahead. Father, give us faith by the Holy Spirit for the journey ahead, for this road, this long journey of obedience that you've called us to. Come, oh God, come, oh God. Worship you, worship you, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. Just in your own words, just worship Him. If you can sing in the Spirit, just sing in the Spirit. We glorify, we glorify, we glorify you. Come on, raise your voices, raise your voices, raise your voices to the Lord. Hold on, lay hold of God, lay hold of Him this morning, lay hold of the Lord this morning. Don't be passive in your faith. Lay hold of the Lord this morning. If maybe you've been a bit backfooted, 
Say this morning, Lord, forgive me for being backfooted. I'm going to lay hold of you afresh. Father, I'm going to lay hold of your promises. I'm going to live first for the kingdom. I want to seek you first, God. Glorify you, glorify you, Father. Worship you, worship you, God. Worship you, worship you, God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We Jesus be I would like to, to pray for us for, and uh, possibly for some of us here individually, that if you're here on, you know you're on pilgrimage with the Lord, you're traveling on the road, you're on the road of discipleship, but it's, maybe you feel like this morning you've got stuck, and it's like you've just got a bit waylaid, and you feel like, oh God, I, I feel like I've got stuck somehow, and, and I want to find fresh impetus. 
God is with you, but there's a sense of you know that, that you're stuck. That's the best way. I felt like the Lord wants to encourage you, and, and we need to pray for you this morning. Um, either that, or you feel like you are maybe journeying, but it's like you feel like you need impetus. It's like you, you feel like there's a sense of like you need fresh faith on this journey. Where you are, just raise your hand if that's you, that you need prayer specifically. And we want to gather around and pray for you for that place. Anyone like that? You need fresh impetus on this on this race of faith where you feel like you just have got a bit stuck. I know we all get like that from time to time, but you know, this is the wonder of church that we can pray for each other. This lady there needs prayer, young gentleman there. Is there anyone else? Anyone else this morning? And I, it's like you felt the Lord is maybe highlighting something that you just, maybe you just need some brothers and sisters around you just to come pray with you, agree with you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, well, let's just have a time of ministry and um, let's. Just felt this morning. Just felt this morning when we got here and we started in worship. I felt like everyone is a is a bit of a shell shockness. I don't know. Things changing so fast, and uh, yeah, thanks, Anamin, for your testimony. And uh, and I think the the tears with Alda from finishing the testimony, and 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 just in light of Mike's preach, I just wanna, um, I, I just think the the important thing is um, to remember that we've got God with us. He's Emmanuel, and that's the gift. He he will never leave us nor forsake us. He promises to go through uh, with us through the trials. He prom- promises to be a a very present help in need. He, he, he promises to be the comforter on this journey as we ascend. So even though trials and troubles might come, we have the deliverer with us. And that's the big difference between the Old and the New Testament because God sent us help. His Holy Spirit is with us. So on this journey, um, we get the joy of meeting Him already. And that faith is not the theoretical thing that you have to wish in the God that's absent, that's waiting for you at the finish point. He's the God that comes and walks us and carries us much much of the journey. And He gives us that faith. And even this morning, I just want to thank You, Lord Jesus, that You have not left us orphans. You haven't promised, us to, uh, promised to take us out of the fire, but You've promised to go through the fire with us, Lord Jesus. And even this morning, as, uh, as new fires erupt and things change, Lord, I thank You that we can have peace in the midst of the fire. I thank You that You are the one that gives peace. You are our peacemaker, Lord. And and, uh, and even as your word says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, and we just thank you for that is the difference. That is the light that shines in us, that we've got an eternal hope and we've got a very present help in need. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you loved us so much that you send your only son to be with us. But not only that, that you are with us till the end of the ages. In Jesus' name.